You're listening to the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me today. I uh, did a big fun thing last weekend. Well... I set it up too too much. I shouldn't have said that. I did a thing last weekend, uh, and it was fun for me. Um, a friend of mine, she hosted a clothing swap and a brunch, which sounds so basic because it's like, okay, you're gonna you're gonna like swap clothes. And I think about doing this all the time. And you know when you do like your seasonal changeover. I also had someone on last weekend talking about um, like how to care for your stuff as you're packing it away. Now, if you're like packing away your winter stuff, pulling out your your spring summer clothes. And for me, in a tiny condo with one closet, I actually pack everything into like giant Rubbermaid bins. And when I'm doing that, I start pulling out these things that first don't fit. And then uh, the things that I'll just, you know, never wear and they start going into bags. And now that Goodwill doesn't exist anymore, uh, there's not like a super convenient place to take them. So a friend does this like biannual um, clothing swap. So she had like a dozen girls over to her house and uh, she made brunch. And we didn't really sort them, uh, which I thought might happen. I thought it would be kind of fancy, maybe like in a clothing store where there'd be hangers, but we didn't do it that way. We kind of just made piles, like one pile was pants, one pile was shirts, one pile was, you know, active wear, um, you know, t-shirts, that sort of thing. And then we just dug through it. So the great thing is, because I had so much stuff to bring, and a lot of people like myself, you buy things. You never take the tags off. You feel bad about not wearing them. They sit in your closet, and then you're like, just let someone else enjoy this new piece of clothing. So I had three bags of clothes that I took there. I told myself I would not, I would not bring back even one bag. So what I got was I got an almost brand new pair of running shoes that someone just was not wearing. I got a little pair of boots and a summer top with the tag on. So I felt uh, pretty great about that. Um, I also, very exciting grown-up thing that I did this... I didn't really do it this... I didn't do much. I just ordered it. Well, I got a barbecue, a real one, with three burners made of stainless steel. Not like what I've had for many years in the past, which was um, like a $20 hibachi <laughs> from like a grocery store. So I ordered this. It comes in this massive box. And uh, I actually, I paid someone to assemble it because the first time I ever owned a real like grown-up barbecue, and when I talk about a grown-up barbecue, I mean something where you don't like squat on the ground to use it, like a hibachi, or you're not using like a little portable propane tank um, that has to be, you know, tossed every, you know, whatever, two weeks. So grown-up barbecue with a lid. And uh, when I had my first one, Oh, maybe like close to 15 years ago was when I bought my first tiny little condo and had a little, little balcony. And I remember going to Canadian Tire with a friend of mine. And I think I bought it for like somewhere around $300. So like, let's adjust for inflation a little bit there, but it was like a stand up barbecue. It needed one of those huge, like heavy propane tanks. And, um, I did not know, I truly did not know this when I went to buy a barbecue because you go up and down the outdoor living aisle and you see all the barbecues. That's how you pick one. I didn't know that they don't come assembled. Like I didn't know that when you're shot, it's like when you shop for a car, you get the car the way it is. No one ships you the car in a box and you have to put it together like the wheels and and the doors. So I really thought like when you chose a barbecue, 
at Canadian Tire that it came like that, but it doesn't. It comes in a box. So uh, being on a, a very tight budget, especially back then, I didn't even know you could pay people to put it together. So I put it together myself. I put together this barbecue myself. It took about six hours and I cried twice. Um, so this time, because it's been like five years since I've actually had a balcony and outdoor space, I was like, you know what? I'm going to be one of those grown-up people who buy something that really lasts. Like I'm going to invest in a good barbecue, one that should last me 10 years, if not forever. And uh, the first thing I did was I asked people, who can assemble this for me? There must be a professional. So I was put in touch with um, the guys at Dixon Barbecue, which is, uh, I think, Avenue and 401. Best 150 bucks I ever spent. So I called the guy on the phone and I said, look, I could you come and put together this barbecue? It's already in my condo. And he's like, yeah, no problem. I'll come by Friday, uh, Friday night. And I said, well, how many hours do you need? And he said, it's like 40 minutes. <laughs> and I'm like, for the whole thing or just for the lid? Because I'm really confused by why it takes you so much less time than me. So anyway, now I have a grown-up barbecue, everyone. And uh, I have the barbecue. I don't have barbecue tools. I didn't think about purchasing anything else. So I was pretty excited about it. After he left, I FaceTimed my mom and I said, mom, look what I got. And then I turned the camera so that she can see. And it's like, it's a it's a pretty big barbecue for a single person. Um, and she goes, oh, you got a nice hibachi. <laughs> I'm like, it's not hibachi. This costs so much money. Anyway, I will share my barbecue adventures with you throughout the summer. But uh, if you've got any tips, you can always text in 71010. Show is always live until 4 o'clock. Uh, keep in mind that um, I once had a barbecue blow up in my face when I was 15 years old. This is Beaver Bank. Nova Scotia, it wouldn't light. So I kept pressing. I didn't know you, I did not know you don't do this. So it wouldn't light. So I kept pressing the, the little clicker. I was like, click, 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 click. And then like an idiot, this is my PSA. Do not do what I did. I leaned over to look at it. So I'm like, why is it not lighting? And I clicked it again and it just went poof, and this huge flame went up. Like I felt the heat, it singed all the hair on my face. I also wore glasses back then. And this is when you used to wear really big glasses. So it actually, I still had eyebrows, but all the fine hair on my face was gone. Um, my bangs were completely singed. I also, I had very long hair then, but it was back in a, a ponytail. But all the little, the little sideburns that you have, those were gone. Uh, and it was the day before picture day. So lesson learned. Do not lean over the gas barbecue as you're lighting it. I hope I saved someone's life today. Um, all right. Again, like I said, you can text in 7 at 10, 10. We'd love to know what you've been up to this weekend, what you are planning. Uh, I'm going to shock you. Do you buy jam, preserves, pickles? Yes. Me too. Have you ever thought about doing it yourself or are you like me and you're, you say, you know, no, that is too much work because I've never attempted it. Well, whether you already do it or you have no clue how to start, I think you want to hear what my guests have to say. They put it all into their new book. It's called Batch, Over 200 Recipes, Tips, and Techniques for a Well-Preserved Kitchen. I've got Joel McCharles here and Dana Harrison. Their blog is wellpreserved.ca. Thanks for coming down. I know you guys were kind of uh, working at uh, type books a little bit. We were, yeah. What were you doing there? It was Authors for Indies. That's so nice. authors supporting independent booksellers. 
So right. we basically just did sales pitches for other people's books. <laughs> <laughs> did Did anyone come in and, and buy your book while you were there? They did. Oh, that's good. It was exciting. It was our first time seeing anybody. <laughs> we actually had a friend come life. in and buy three copies. It was like, oh, oh big deal. That is a big deal, though. Yeah. That's kind of nice. Yeah. So it's good. Well, I wonder if they'll ask you back to work uh, work at the bookstore. I'm starting to learn my alphabet so I can organize the whole shelf. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, I get confused by that too. And I'm looking for a book. I'm like, I, I, you start counting, you start like reciting the alphabet to try to figure out where it is. So you, um, your book is called Batch. It's all about preserving. A lot of people... Well, I'll assume people think the way I do, perhaps. And when I think of preserves, I think of kind of, I think jams and pickles. Sure. But it's more than that. Yeah. I mean, we don't think about this, the types of preserving and the types of preserves that exist. So many, all of us preserve. We use a fridge, we use a freezer, and, and that's a way to keep something longer. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Right? Many of us eat bacon, eat cheese, eat wine, drink beer, <laughs> all forms of preservation. But we don't think of that when we think of preserves. We think of condiments and toast. Yeah. Right? And what we're really trying to explore is, is condiments are fun, but... Where can you actually take preserving in terms of making ingredients that become the, the really core piece of, of meals uh, and show people how to make meals out of those as well? Now, why the name Batch for your book? Uh, uh, batch was just the natural name. It actually describes the way we cook. So mm-hmm. part of your question earlier that you said, you know, I don't have enough time to do these things. We rarely make one preserve at a time. Okay. So if we're making, let's just say hypothetically, we're making strawberry jam, what I'm probably going to do is cut the tips off of strawberries mm-hmm. and dehydrate them. So I have dehydrated strawberries, use the tops of them to make jam, and then use the hulls with a bit of flesh to, to dehydrate that for tea. So I can make three preserves at the same time with one strawberry. But I feel like you need to have an incredible amount of space. Ah, great question. And (laughs) and these are the kind of... Wait, hold up. I live in less than 500 square feet. (laughs) I can can show you right now probably 10 preserves you could make that take zero square feet. Really? Yeah. So you probably have have a bottle of either booze or or vinegar somewhere in your place. Check and check. Okay. So (laughs) tell me about one of the types of booze that you have in your house. Uh, I definitely have a bottle of Vodka. Okay, bottle of vodka. Drop strawberries in it. There, you made a preserve. Yay. So strawberry-infused, <laughs> cherry-infused vodka, which yeah. we go out and buy these synthetic flavors. All you need to do to infuse booze is drop fruit in it. And that's it? And that's it. So if you've got a bottle of vodka, you could mm-hmm. drop cherries in it in cherry season. I pit them, you know, yeah. the little techniques and tricks. But really, you can put that inside your existing vodka bottle and you've added no space to your place whatsoever. How long could that last for? You wouldn't keep that forever, right? Or would I have blueberry gin from three years ago. Oh, you know, and I want to get into this a little bit later with you too, is just some of those tips and techniques and then things to be careful of because not everything lasts uh, forever. So sure. You still have a, a bit of a shelf life. And I will give you all the excuses that I have come up with for why I do not preserve, even though I truly, I have shelves full of jarred things. I am obsessed with, I think I romanticize it. I'm like, oh my God, I love, look, look, this jam has blueberries and thyme. This is so special. I will spend so much money in any store or farmer's market. I'm everyone's dream. And I don't even eat that much jam. I think I like the idea of having it because it makes me, I don't know, I, I don't know why, but I have a reputation of loving things in jars and just collecting them. Um, and then just kind of looking at them and thinking, 
oh, I'd like to make this one day and I never will. But maybe after our conversation, I'll, I'll consider it. So my guests are going to stick around. If you have any questions about, um, about preserving, about, uh, you know, canning, pressure canning, dehydrating, you can always text in at 71010. We'll try to get to your questions. Also coming up later on the show, your chance to win a copy of the book. You're listening to the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Now back to the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me this Saturday. Um, my guests in studio have written a great book called Batch. It's a beautiful book. Um, Joel and Dana. Now, Dana, you're actually a graphic designer, right? I am, yes. Okay, so you can take credit for a lot of the beautiful things in the book. <laughs> I can take partial credit. I do have a design credit on the back along with the Random House designer, Kelly. And the photos are beautiful. So in addition to having uh, recipes for people to... to, to um, to preserve, you also then have like recipes for them to use those preserves, the ways to to cook or bake and and uh, do that with it. So, uh, a couple of people have texted in about the um, about the book, asking if you deal with dehydrating. You absolutely do. Let's talk about the seven types of preserving that you talk about in the book. Sure. So I'll give you a quick rundown. Every style of preserving has an advantage and has a disadvantage. So just really quick high level, water bath canning is what you think of when you think of jams and pickles. And if I'm in a small condo and don't have a lot of space, that's probably not the one to do because it takes a lot of space. And I saw that you said um, if you can boil water, you can water bath. You're boiling a jar. If you use a tested recipe and you follow a tested recipe, uh, it's really, really straightforward. Um, Something a bit more technical is something called pressure canning. Mm -hmm. Um, The difference between pressure canning and water bath is that pressure canning allows you to make things that aren't high in sugar or high in acid. So think about canned peas, canned beans, those types of things that you buy mm-hmm. in the store. It allows you to make the home equivalent of that and use a special piece of equipment called a pressure canner, which raises the heat to make it safer so that, that there's a whole safety element there. Dehydrating is an element that we use fermenting. So things like um, kimchi and sauerkraut and mead or honey wine or mm-hmm. cider uh, all included. Um, cellaring, how to use your fridge, how to use your garage, how to use your windowsill, how to use your freezer better. Um, we don't think we're preserving when you're using these things, but yeah. they're absolutely preservation methods. Okay. Um, we also talk about salting and smoking, so how to cure things with salt and how to use um, turn your barbecue into a smoker for $35 <laughs> and, and, and smoke really? out all your neighbors, which is awesome. See, you, don't actually have to, you don't actually have to light it to do that. You yeah. don't? No. no. You I don't. love smoked things, but I, I don't know that I would ever attempt it. So there's this thing called a smoke maze, and you put pellets in it. Mm-hmm. It's about $35, and you light it with a blowtorch. So it's super cool because you feel like you're, you're you know. I'm afraid of fire, so I we know, established but, that. But a nice know, barbecue lighter. <laughs> you can get one of those. Good thing okay. about a blowtorch is the flame's almost invisible because it's so hot. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about it, right? <laughs> um, and it will literally smoke for five to ten hours. Really? So we've, we've made smoked salt. We've made smoked salmon out of it. We've done all sorts of uh, smoked hot peppers, all sorts of things that are... And it's are, just this contraption that's like $35? Yeah, and, and you put pellets in it. You put wood pellets in it. It's really cool. It's called a smoke maze. A smoke maze. Yeah, okay, I'm totally going to look into this. It's super neat. Um, and then infusing. So how, yeah. like we talked at earlier the, the vodka. show, vodka, mm-hmm. the vinegar, anything like that. All right. So what would be, um, I guess, the easiest for a beginner? Like someone who likes the idea of it, I'm speaking for myself, um, but feels like, okay, there's the time, there's the extra equipment. I, you know, I may not want to do something enough that I want to start 
spending a lot on extra equipment. So a lot of our recipes require no equipment whatsoever. Okay. Whenever possible, we show you how to do it without equipment. So giving an example, um, you know what I mean by a bread rack, a cooling rack? Yeah, like, like, like yes. a wire rack. Yeah. Uh, you can dehydrate mushrooms by setting mushrooms on a wire rack as long as they don't touch each other. And like out in the open? Yeah. It, not in the oven? No. Two or three days, you leave them out in the open, they'll <laughs> no, dehydrate. They shrivel. They, they just shrivel up. And then you have dried mushrooms. And you can put them into a jar and put them on your shelf and use them what? like dried mushrooms. Just leave them out? Just just leave them out. And um, if you need them out of the way, you can actually put the put them into your oven, but just turn the light on. If you turn the oven light on, it produces <laughs> a little bit of heat. So that's a really easy way to dehydrate a mushroom. Oh. And anybody can do that. I feel like what would happen, because you know, sometimes you keep the mushrooms in the fridge for too long and they shrivel up. Right. And then people just, just toss them. Right. So herbs would be an example of this, right? You go and you yeah. buy herbs and you always get too many herbs in a bundle. Yes. And and some herbs dry really well. Basil is one of those. That, basil and mint, I'm not a giant fan of them dried, but mm-hmm. sage, for example, thyme, stuff that really dries really well. All you need to do with those is tie them in a bundle, and when you buy them, they're usually already tied, so that avoids one step. <laughs> and really, at that point, you can just hang them in your closet. Well, won't my clothes smell nice? <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you don't want to dra- if you don't want to hang them in your in your closet, what you can do, what you're looking for, is a dark space. Right. So what you can do is actually put them inside a paper bag. Okay. And hang the paper bag anywhere in a fully lit room because then it's dark because it's inside the paper bag. Right. All right, and then just leave that for a couple. Of- I do I do dry um, like I find rosemary comes in really large bunches. Sure. So that's kind of easy because it's on a little twig. Yeah, and if you leave it in your fridge and you leave it um, in that container that it comes in, often it just rots. It does. It just it turns black brown and black and then you end up tossing it so the key for that is just to get air circulation around it so that it can easily dry all right so you're telling me there are simple things that i can do totally um do you like hot stuff like yes Yes? i do yes chili salt you need to make this today you need it to make it tomorrow you need to make it it soon absolutely so you take a chili pepper any chili pepper you want yes cut it up any way you want to cut it okay a fresh pepper fresh pepper yeah okay Cover it in salt, about two to three times its, its volume in salt. All right. So if I had roughly a tablespoon of chopped um, chopped chili pepper, mm-hmm. I would put roughly three to four tablespoons of salt. Okay. Put a lid on the jar, and you're done. And what will happen is over the next couple of weeks, the salt will pull the liquid, the capsaicin, out, out of the pepper and actually infuse the salt with all that flavor. And it will be a really, really high salt environment. So I leave it mm-hmm. behind my stove. Yeah. And if you looked at the top edge of my stove, there's probably ten different types of salt. So we have chili salt, we have smoked peach salt, we have smoked uh, cherry salt, different types of salts that we use for different things that literally, if you chop something up and cover it in a whole bunch of salt, yeah, you're from the Maritimes. My mother is yes. too. Salt cod was, is how a really traditional Maritime, right? Yes, of right? course. So it's, it's not salt cod, but it's salt pepper. Um, this is kind of blowing my mind because I went to a fancy store in Chelsea, New York, where I got a little jar and then it's about a quarter cup Yeah, uh, and they sold beautiful salts and they were all $10 a jar. Yeah. And you're looking at me like you are a sucker. I really am. And you got pulled in by the packaging. I did. The packaging is, the, the packaging is this beautiful little glass. Uh, jar and all it says and, and it just says salt in black letter and I'm like it's so pretty it's the kind of jar that I keep on my counter because it looks really nice and so um, keep it ten- <laughs> and put your salt in it when you're done <laughs> my like you know 99 cent homemade salt versus yeah. the 10 dollar salt that I that I bought um, when we come back I want to talk about some of the uh, the things that you love to preserve the most and maybe I 
you've given me a little preview as to one of the biggest disasters you've had, which was blueberries on your ceiling. So I want to talk a bit about that. Also that the book features 25 ingredients. And I want to talk a bit about how you um, laid out the book and that each ingredient has like a quick 10 minute uh, recipe. So after the break, uh, Joel and Dana will stick around. If you've got more questions, you can always text in at 71010. We're going to convince you that this is the year that you all start to preserve in some way or another. It's also a great way to save money. And we'll touch upon that after the break as well. You're listening to the Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Taking a quick break. We'll be back after this. More with Pay Chen on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Joel McCharles and Dana Harrison are here. Their blog is called wellpreserved.ca and uh, your book is called Batch. Uh, it's all about tips and tricks, recipes for preserving, which includes, as we've covered, many different ways of uh, preserving food. So, you know, canning, water baths, dehydrating, infusions. Um, I'd love to hear about how you started this because it wasn't actually like you had been doing this your whole adult life. You just kind of well, – did it have something to do with a flat of strawberries? Yeah. Well, <laughs> there was a flat of strawberries that came um, for, uh, from a preserving angle. Yes, it was exactly the flat of strawberries. Mm-hmm. And I remember there's a couple of things. A, I, I probably wanted to impress Dana and <laughs> I had moved out of my parents' house and they made tomato sauce every year. And I knew that – you remember Old Mother's Hubbard? I knew to get my share of tomato sauce, I needed yes. to start getting involved. Right. But then we went to the market and, um, oh, I'm going to get red in the face to share this story vocally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kid you not, Chef Jamie Kennedy. Um, oh, I love Jamie uh, yeah, Kennedy. Yeah. yeah. And he's walking across the market with a flat of strawberries mm-hmm. and the sun is at his back. It's early in the morning. He's a silhouette. His hair is blowing in the wind. <laughs> this is very romantic. I, it, was, it, oh, it was one of my number one crushes. I mean, it was just like instant <laughs> chef crush. And I'm like, I didn't want to be like him. I wanted to be him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to learn how to do that now. And the next week we were at my parents' house uh, making jam. Mm-hmm. And it was, was that your, and that was your first time making jam? I had made it as a kid and I thought mm-hmm. it was a lot of work and I stayed away from it. And A, we were shocked at how easy it was. And within four months we had 300 jars of preserves at home. And I couldn't what? believe that it was that easy. What did you do with all of those? Well, that's Because where- <laughs> I can keep a jar of jam in my fridge for like three years and then, you know, dig it out of the back. It was, they were hidden in boxes and you had to pull all the boxes out to get to one of them. And they were, they were hidden under the bed and under the couch. And uh, before we had a shelf, they were hidden everywhere. Whenever we go to anyone's house for dinner, yes. they get a jar of something generally. But see, I think that's a wonderful gift. Like that's I love gift. homemade gifts and I think it's such a treat. So I I would expect that you guys get invited to multiple dinner parties because they're thinking, Joel and Dana, they're going to bring us a jar of pickles or something <laughs> like that. Um, often when I think of preserves in any way, I think that they must be um, high in sugar because I think of the jams and things like that. Or I think um, that they're very, they're, they're either, or they're really salty because like pickles, but there's a lot of st- stuff in between there. Sure. So we really, uh, that's why we really attack the seven different types. I think for most people, five or six types would be like, hey, I'm interested in that. And for most people, they won't be interested in a couple, right? If you're not into sugar, you're probably not into canning because that's where you're going to get a lot of sugar with jam. Okay. But you might be into dehydrating uh, or you might be into fermenting and that type of thing. So really, if you look at anything from fermenting, you, you can have some salt, but you don't have to have sugar. Uh, dehydrating, you don't need to add any sugar. You don't need to add any salt at all. 
Now you can, um, in the book too, you do talk about the kind of equipment that you could use, like you could buy a dehydrator. Uh, there are certain pieces that you would buy for different kinds of preserving. Um, I guess that's if you want to, you know, you want to do more of it. Yeah. And I'd say what we're really trying to do with the seven different methods in the book is we give people enough information to learn everything they need to know to decide if that's a style of preserving that they're interested in. Mm -hmm. And if they are, it gives them enough information to learn how to do it. Uh, if you're interested in dehydrating, you can spend as little as 40 or $50 on a dehydrator and you can spend $1,000. So we try right. to give a bit of insight into the logic around that. But mm-hmm. most of the recipes, most of the techniques, you probably need at maximum 30 or $40 worth of equipment. Okay. Notable right. exceptions, dehydrating, pressure canning, if you're going to get into a serious amount of volume. Right. If you want like a lot of fruit leather. Yeah. If you, yeah. <laughs> you want to make an outfit? Yeah. <laughs> a fruit leather outfit. Do you like my fruit leather pants? They are strawberry peach. <laughs> so I, you know what I also love about um, the book, which I didn't think about right away, was uh, the idea that it really can cut down on food costs because, you know, we often, we're always hearing about the, the cost of groceries going up. People are being more, are also more aware of buying local if they can, but it can be more expensive. And, uh, you know, eating seasonally and what, preserving does is it allows us to, let's say, take our summer berries and enjoy them throughout the winter as well. But you had a really interesting um, the stat, which was like a, a bushel, so like 45 pounds of tomatoes can cost about $20 in the fall. And that shocks me because I've purchased like a handful of tomatoes before at a farmer's market and still paid $20. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you, a bushel of hot pe- or of peppers, again, is about $20. That's not, but the thing is, when I see that, and I see them being sold in volume, because whenever I walk by a farmer's market, I always see a flat of strawberries. And my friends joke that I buy things, I want to buy things in cases because I go, I do the math and I'm like, right. this is a great value. <laughs> and my friend will say, what are you going to do with them? I'm like, well, I could eat strawberries five times a day for the next six days. Um, but it really is very cost effective if you know what to do with them. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's why we organized the book by ingredient, because I do that all the time. I come home with two much of A and I go, "Uh uh-oh, what the heck am I going to do? And it was such a pet peeve. I'd go to a book and you'd be flipping around between, you know, holding your fingers in each page to figure out all the rhubarb recipes. The other way that this cuts into food costs though, uh, David Suzuki Foundation talks about us wasting over 30% of our food that comes to our houses. That does not shock me at all because we buy, we we like buy bulk and then it just sits in the fridge. Absolutely. So you mentioned the 10 minute preserving recipes and that's, we wanted to make sure that every ingredient had a recipe that took 10 minutes or less. I kind of pictured those weekends that you come home on a Thursday night or Friday night. Maybe you're going to a friend's for the night or for the weekend. You're like, Oh no, I'm going to lose these apples. Mm -hmm. And you really only have one choice, which is throw it in the composter. So what we tried to do was show how you could preserve things really easily to cut into that 30%. You're also starting to see ugly vegetables make more and more of a show at yes, places. which is great. Which is awesome. Or even the, I'm seeing grocery stores now spell, sending more and more last day items. Mm-hmm. They used to throw them in the bin, but they're starting to sell those in, in quantity. Yep. So it's really easy to actually get quality ingredients right before they spoil uh, and to use those for preserving as well. Because if you take them home, they won't last in your fridge a week. And I also liked, um, I was a bit surprised in the book to see like a, for example, apples that you used every part of the apple. Cause even like for, uh, I'll make applesauce. I'm like, well, yeah, I got to throw the core out and the, the skins, but you find a way to use every bit of the fruits and vegetables that you're preserving. One of my major influences and, and I do all the recipes, which is why I'm talking about this part. Dana, mm-hmm. Dana does a lot of our design and, and really we work together on, on those two things coming together. Um, but for 
Fergus Henderson, who was uh, a British chef uh, who was famous for bringing nose-to-tail cooking uh, to the rest of the world, Fergus really inspired me to take a look at every ingredient using it in every way. And that's something that we spent a lot of creative time back and forth saying, geez, you know, we've got all these apple cores. What can we do? And, and you can make apple cider vinegar out of those very easily and, and get use of them. Is that what you do with them? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So it, you you must not even compost that much. <laughs> no, we had a worm bin for a while, and then yeah. it was sort of competing with the dog for the scraps. <laughs> he likes vegetables. <laughs> That's a healthy dog. Yeah. Yes. He's very on trend. Um, I also, I'd like to talk about uh, some of the ingredients, maybe that things that you've tried to preserve in a certain way, and maybe it just didn't work. Uh, th- there's lots. I mean, uh, my biggest mistake often is, is adding spice to things because uh-huh. I get a singular focus going for spice and, and trying to do something. Often cases, though, when you really blow the flavor profile of a preserve, it's mm-hmm. it's usually pretty savable. Um, I did something recently. We juiced hot peppers. Um, oh, to For what reason? To drink? <sighs> No, no, no. <laughs> what was the reason for we juicing had a hot steam peppers? juicer because he wanted to try doing it. Okay, <laughs> just, he just likes to experiment. Mm-hmm. He likes yeah. to experiment, but I work at home. Yes, so he has a tendency to do these experiments in the dehydrator or in the steam juicer and like fill the air full of hot pepper. Um, essence yes I guess. <laughs> and uh i'm working at home all day and he comes home and i'm in tears <laughs> or i smell I like onions too. well what was your uh what did you want to do with that so I, i'm working on a recipe where we're going to juice ghost peppers yeah and take their essence and boil them down to about a one percent extraction and then try to make crystals out of those so that you have the hottest possible Crystal hot sauce, quote unquote, it, because I just think it's interesting. This it is interesting. not on the book. It's labeled "Do not try this at home." <laughs> right, but I was doing it outside, and I forgot it on the burner, and I burnt it down to nothing. So that didn't work so well. Oh, I, well, you know, every success has several failures, right? Yeah. Um, I love it if you guys would just stick around after the break too, because I do want to get to this blueberry story. And if anyone has questions about um, preserving in any way, you can text in at. 7 10 10 um, and also we'll talk about the ingredients that people might want to consider preserving in right now in this season so we can talk about that after the break you're listening to the pay chen show on in-depth radio news talk 10 10 we'll be right back more with pay chen on in-depth radio news talk 10 10 Welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks for your text, 71010. If you have a question uh, with me, are the authors of the new cookbook called Batch, Over 200 Recipes, Tips, and Techniques for a Well-Preserved Kitchen. Uh, the book is actually out this week, right? Mm-hmm. So coming out on Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday. Okay, so people can look for it then. Um, so Dana, your background is in graphic design, mm-hmm. so you had a lot to do with the the look of the the book. And then, and Joel, you've just been a very passionate experimental home cook for many years. <laughs> a mad scientist of sorts. <laughs> yes. Now, can we get to this blueberry recipe or blueberry uh, incident? Because I think many people, I don't know what to call it. <laughs> it's, it's a blueberry incident, incident definitely. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I um, I've had many failures in the kitchen, and I guess one of the things that intimidates me about preserving or about doing something like, um, you know, a jam or a preserve or a pickle is that I'm just going to 
mess it up and then I've got all the stuff to waste. Sure. And I think messing it up is part of of, of what happens and, and hopefully you can learn from some of our experiences or, or people like us that you don't have to make those same mistakes. A lot of our recipes are really small. So the risk is really small. Uh, the, the blueberry recipe, we were making uh, one gallon of mead, which is uh, honey wine. Mm-hmm. And um, the book has probably four or five different recipes for how to make your own booze at home with no special equipment. Well, you, everyone just started writing down the name of the book now. It's called Batch, everyone. It's out on Tuesday. You can make booze at home with very little equipment. Yes, absolutely. So the only really special pieces of equipment you need, one is called an airlock. And an airlock is really important to the story. You see it with uh, in the wine community, you see it in the beer community, any type of homebrew store will be able to sell you it. And the way an airlock works is it basically looks like a straw and it's got a little cap and a container that waters in and a cap on top. Wherever you buy it, it's $7. They'll show you how to use it. It's foolproof. And what it allows to do is when you're fermenting mead or you're fermenting other things, carbon dioxide is off-put. So you need a way for the carbon dioxide to escape from the jar because if you put a lid on, all that pressure would blow up and you'd have a big bomb. And you don't want exploding glass. Yes. So you put an airlock on top and what, what happens is you put a layer of water in it and it allows the carbon dioxide to push the oxygen that's in the jar out through the, through the layer of water. And escape. So really, at the end of the day, it, it's what keeps you safe is that you're just having these things escape. So remember, there's a straw in the middle of this airlock that lets that escape. Well, I had filled it up too full. Mm-hmm. And I woke up in the morning and I had a, a one-gallon jar with blueberries and honey and water. And it was fermenting very actively. And I woke up the next morning and I found a, some blueberries on my table. And I thought, wow, that's weird. Like, I was <laughs> really messy last night. And I looked in the sink and I found blueberries in the sink. And then I looked on the counter and there was more blueberries blueberries. And it took me about a half an hour to clean up the blueberries. I had no idea where they came from. And by the time I was done, I was late for work and I stretched and I was just like, I, I had it. It was a Monday morning. And as I stretched, I looked up at the ceiling and there was blueberries all over the ceiling. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Our ceilings are almost 10 feet and they hadn't just hit, like it wasn't just a little bit. Like it's spl- like they it wasn't hit a little splatter. splattered. <gasps> yeah. Like, it, like basically you shot blueberries straight up, like oh. a blueberry cannon straight to the ceiling. We embedded fruit yeah. into our ceiling. Um, but when you talk about safety, that's what the airlock does. The airlock lets things escape. And really, it should never, ever do that. And and we've changed the recipe in the book so that it won't happen <laughs> to you like that. What happened was a blueberry got stuck in that little straw. Oh, and so the pressure built up, but instead of the glass exploding, the pressure built up until eventually it spat the blueberry right through the straw. It spat the wow. rubber stopper out, and then everything else came. I out. feel like it's like a little blueberry volcano, which actually sounds delicious. It does. I mean, if you could do that for an entertainment value, you, you, you could probably make some money. <laughs> I bet. Um, someone has texted and asked for an easy beet recipe. Beets are real. Beets I associate with fall. But you can still, I mean, you can buy them all year round. Yeah, you can, because people sell them, you can still buy them. Yeah. Um, I'm a real fan of, of, again, that kind of nose to tail approach. This time of year, you don't get the stalks. Mm-hmm. You can pickle the stalks, which is really, really easy. But I'm going to talk right now about something called quick pickling, really famous in Nova Scotia. Yeah. My grandfather used to pour vinegar in a dish, dump cucumbers in it, and he had pickles within 20 minutes. And that's really all you need to do to that's make That's about pickles. all the time I have. <laughs> <laughs> so if I was doing beets this time of year, I would yeah. dice them small on the 
stove, I would put one cup of vinegar and a quarter cup of honey. And I would bring that to a simmer, and I would literally dump my beets or any other flavor that I wanted to. So I'm cooking beets in one cup of vinegar and a quarter cup of honey. And that's what's called a quick pickle. Um, And you don't need to cook them for long. And I would really bring it back to a simmer for probably two minutes, take it off, put it in a jar, put it in your fridge. Those beets will last in your fridge. They have to stay in your fridge. It's Mm -hmm. not a preserve, a a long-term preserve. They'd stay for months like that. Really? So it's fine to keep it for several months? Because uh, it's vinegar. You're adding oh, vinegar. Yeah, you're adding true. acid to it. Um, you can add... We have a, a recipe in the book that adds uh, different things to it. Carrots and walnuts and that type of thing. And mm-hmm. we actually use the stalks of beets as opposed to actual beets for our quick pickle, uh, which is... We almost use it like a mirepoix. A lot of people cook with celery and onion and carrot. Yeah. We cook with pickled beet stalks and carrot and onion, and uh, it's really quite interesting as well. All your food must be a nice kind of like purpley pink color. <laughs> it, it depends on the day. We have made some very purpley dishes. <laughs> um, I also just uh, want to let listeners know that I do have two copies of Joel and Dana's book to give away, so you can text in for your chance to win. Text in at 71010 and uh, make sure you include your first and last name and your full mailing address because the book will be mailed to you. And if you can just get that text in before the end of the show, that's great. No need to uh, hurry and get it in the next 60 seconds. So I've got two copies of the book to give away and it is coming out uh, this Tuesday. Now we are getting into, now finally winter's over. Uh, I don't know what is really growing right now because I feel like it's still a few months before we get all that great local produce, but what would you be looking at preserving this time of year? So we're really at a cusp season. This is the most difficult time of year as a local eater. Um, this is a really meat-heavy time of year for us, so uh, I wouldn't shy away from doing jerky and, and doing whether it's fish jerky or whether it's doing meat jerkies. We still have access to cellared a product like beets and cabbage and turnips, mm-hmm. so sauerkraut, kimchi are really, really popular with us right now, uh, and we make a lot of that at home right now. I make some non-seasonal stuff right now. I might make a cup of hot sauce to experiment because what I want to do is experiment with my recipes now so that when I buy a bushel, I'm not experimenting so I waste Uh, later. Right. So this is a good time of year to play a little bit with that. Certainly uh, pickled asparagus is coming. Asparagus soup and we preserve soup in in pressure canning um, is definitely a big stock this time of year for Mm -hmm. us. It's a great time of year because it's still cool out to make stock and make it shelf stable. Uh, Ramps are coming into season very shortly. And if they're sustainably harvested, you can preserve those really well. Rhubarb as well. So we're, we're probably... 10 days away from the real start of the sprint that will keep us busy preserving from now through January. Do you have a favorite ingredient, Dana? Something that you love preserved? I I like the blueberry jam an awful lot. Yeah? (laughs) Yeah. That's the one we gave that as part of uh, Authors for Indies, they gave uh, goodie bags to the first 30 people to arrive and each one of them got a jar Everyone of Everyone got a jar. Oh my God, why was I not there? I love jars. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we saved any for like, me either. I love we jars. Some. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, so that's, but that's a very classic, like mm-hmm. simple. But like, it's amazing what you can do with it because we have a recipe in the book for to put it with um, salmon. Oh, so oh, that's in nice. terms of bringing the preserves into the center of the plate as part mm-hmm. of a meal, and you know you get might get sick of toast. I don't, but anyway, I do. I'm not a big toast. I didn't grow up eating a lot of toast, yeah. but and so like when I do acquire a new jar of something, then I get very excited, and then I'm like, I'm going to eat toast. And then after a while, the roof like, of my yeah. mouth is scraped raw, and I'm like, I'm kind of done with toast. You know, you can put jam in cocktails. <laughs> sure, I, know, I, I haven't thought about that. Yeah. Just like eating bread as a vehicle for for jam, though I do also love bread. Joel, do you have a favorite uh, sort of ingredient that, or something that you love preserved? The next one. 
I know that's cliche, but really, like, <laughs> like I'm just so fascinated about what what you can do next. Um, and I've got some classics that I love. I, I we're making a lot of smoke things right now. I really dig doing a liter of booze. I just find it fascinating <laughs> that you can make like the fact that, and it's not you know sometimes it's interesting and sometimes it's delicious and sometimes it's between the two. Um, someone texted and said, "Beet leaves are great for making mini cabbage rolls." Awesome, oh. distinct wine flavor. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, someone else had texted and asking where you buy ghost peppers because you had talked about trying to juice them earlier. I feel like it's maybe in Kensington Market. I'm not quite sure. So we, they're actually a remarkably easy one to grow in a small pot. So you can it, grow ghost peppers. You can grow ghost peppers oh. in a small pot in Toronto. The climate's actually yeah. really good with it. Balcony gardening, it, it, it's it's remarkably good. We do them in scorpions. Those poor squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> they tend to stay away from them, which is a bonus. I have seen them at some of the larger grocery stores, mm-hmm. uh, and I do suspect that Kensington and other places would as well. They're becoming more and more common. Yeah, I feel like uh, the, the more people who ask for them, the variety you know is is there, and people are are like out there asking for them. Um, now, how many different? recipes would you say you've kind of created at this point? Uh, the website has 800, I think, approximately. The cookbook has 200, and then various other writing. We've probably done 1,200 recipes in the last Lots. eight years. Wow. Which is, yeah. So the uh, the website is wellpreserved.ca. That's your blog. That's kind of where you started it all That after that first jam-making session, seeing that silhouette, the romantic silhouette of Jamie Kennedy with <laughs> yes. a flat of strawberries. And then at this point, you kind of experimented your way into you know creating all of this. Is there another type of preserving that you haven't done? The one, the one thing that is kind of my holy grail that I haven't touched yet, that we need a bit bigger space. Uh, I talked about the deep freeze earlier, but what I really want is I want a still. What uh, does that mean? A, a still to um, make high percentage booze. So, uh, there's, there's a recurring theme I yeah. found in your preserving here, Joel. Now we're opening a <laughs> I, I, I want to make moonshine <laughs> is really what I'm trying to say <laughs> eloquently. <laughs> So up next, like when you have a little bit more space, that might be... Shine would be next. Um, I do like that you uh, you say we don't make condiments, we make ingredients. And that actually did kind of change the way I thought about this because I think of things in jars and there are always like little bits of vegetables, little bits of fruit. I think of them as a condiment, something you add to something. Right. Like if you think of your, your salad dressing, you're going to have a salad tonight, you've got oil and vinegar. If you use a fairly neutral vinegar, mm-hmm. um, you can dump any type of jam in it that you want. I wouldn't have thought to put jam in there. Right. So raspberry like a, jam, so raspberry jam really? strawberry jam are great in salad dressing. So add that to vinegar? Add that to oil and vinegar. If you've got like your regular oil and vinegar dressing, whatever you're doing, add, dilute it with jam. I have so much jam in my condo. You, have you no sorted idea. your closet. Now we're going to sort your Yeah, I know. you're going to sort my pantry and my fridge because I have all this jam and I'm thinking, like, there's only so much toast. I don't feel like toast today. Now I'm just going to eat salads the rest of the summer. Um, well, thank you both so much for joining me. Good luck with the book launch. I know it's already awesome. doing well. So Batch is out uh, this Tuesday. Thanks to those of you who are texting in. I'll take your text for the next couple of minutes. Just remember to... Give me your first and last name and your full mailing address, and I will let the two winners know that the book is on the way. Have a great weekend, everyone. And again, if you want to check out their website, it's wellpreserved.ca. Lots of great recipes there. And I'll be back next Saturday.